Miami took game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, and they couldn't have done it without Jimmy Butler. We'll break down some of the numbers and show why his impact has been nothing short of historical. Plus, we look at some of the help that Jimmy got from Gabe Vincent, and if what we saw in game one changes our perspective on the series. All that on today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Thursday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. We'd like to thank today's sponsor of Locked on Heat, Sakara Nutrition. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish. Go to sakara.com, locked on 20, and enter the code locked on 20 for 20% off at checkout. Well, we're in between games one and two, and we can't stop talking about the performance from Jimmy Butler because his 41 points is all the buzz in a way that we haven't seen about any single Heat player in a long time, perhaps maybe even since the finals. And even then, kind of just because it was one of the finals, two, there was LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the star power of those two players, and perhaps the whole bubble atmosphere the fact that you know Miami was labeled bubble frauds to some degree I don't think there was just the same kind of energy uh impact it wasn't it doesn't feel the same way like you're looking at Jimmy's 41 points in game one and I think he, it just it just seems like it's bigger greater somehow which yeah. is kind of weird to say but I no, think, I think that's I think that's a really good point I mean first of all that one happened in a bubble and that matters like that 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 run it doesn't mean that it was a fluke or anything. It just wasn't very exciting. The Lakers run wasn't as exciting. The Heat one, it wasn't as exciting. It just was I, I it have was to say, bubble. Pat Beverly has made a lot of news over the last week for his appearances right. on ESPN. And, and him talking about just kind of dismissing what happened in the Orlando bubble, really surprising to me as a, as a player because <laughs> he should be a lot more aware than that. But I think a lot of it is just kind of generating attention. Pat Bev, man. Like, I, can we just do like 30 seconds on Pat Bev? Because sure. what... Look, I've never really been a Pat Bev guy. Uh, he's maybe the most annoying player in the NBA to watch, which is an accomplishment considering how many annoying players there are in the That's NBA nice to one. watch. Sure. Uh, I really don't enjoy watching Patrick Beverly. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It doesn't mean anything. I just don't enjoy watching Patrick Beverly, okay? It's not a personal thing. I just don't like the way he plays basketball. I don't like the foul baiting. I don't like the constant jawing. And for him to just come out and be throwing shade at all these guys, I was like, what have you done, dude? Like he's, he's talking about, he's like, oh, this is a fluke. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, when have you gotten out of the first round of the playoffs? Remind me. Have you? Like, if you have, I don't remember it. Please remind me. And so, uh, I, whatever. That's my Pat Bev thing. I'm off. Okay. All right. Soapbox gone. No, but uh, the so Jimmy Butler thing, I mean, this, it, it, it is the most exciting run by a Heat player since the Big Three era. And that's not hyperbole. I think that is, it's absolutely true. The only thing that comes close to me is uh, in 2016, Dwayne Wade, purple shirt guy, that stuff. That was really, really fun. But it wasn't prolonged the way that this is, right? right? right. That was one round, one matchup, one guy in a purple shirt. You know, like, it was fun, 
but it wasn't this level of sustainability. It wasn't this level of dominance no, no, the way and, that and we've look, seen from Jimmy Butler. And, and it's not to take anything away from Dwayne, obviously, but, you know, like Dwayne had that big game. He had those two big games. He even had some great performances against Toronto. They were led in scoring by Luol Deng in their game one against the Charlotte Hornets and then Goran Dragic. So it's not what we remember is Dwayne having just this this fire to him, this competitive spirit that we had seen during the Big Three era, that we'd seen in 2006 when he was guiding the Heat to a championship, that we saw during 2009 and 10 when he was carrying this team by himself. That This is different. This is from game one against the Atlanta Hawks throughout the Philadelphia 76ers series. You took Tobias Harris? Are you fucking kidding me? You took Tobias Harris? That kind of fire. And then to carry it over into game one against two players that some people mm -hmm. claim are better than he is, I think that's... That really speaks volumes. And there are statistics to back it up as well. I think you've got a couple yeah. of those numbers for our listeners. Well, this one's from Heat Muse, the Twitter account that does a really good job of coming up with some of these like stat muse <laughs> type of stats that are all Miami Heat related. So go follow them at Heat Muse on Twitter. But most points in the first 12 games uh, of the playoffs in a single season by a Miami Heat player. So that's the stat here. Jimmy Butler's number one ever. Okay, in, in Heat franchise history, ever. Jimmy Butler's number one, 328 points in the first 12 games of this playoff run. Dwayne Wade is second at 321 in his first 12 games in 2005. LeBron James is third, 319 points in his first 12 games in 2012. And then again, LeBron, 317 points in 2014. So there is a, it's a legitimate question to ask. Is this the best postseason run that we've ever seen from a Heat player? Uh, this is a terrible answer. And it's not going to make for great uh, radio content or anything like that or our show, but it's yes or no. Yes. Okay. That is yes a terrible no. answer. You're it right. is. It is. It absolutely is. And, and yet I can't, you can't step away from it right now. Like part of the, the being prisoner in the moment is living this moment right now. And we're seeing this transform. If Jimmy goes and, and go, you know, goes to 2021 levels against the Milwaukee Bucks type performances in their next few games against the Boston Celtics, are we going to remember that he was unstoppable for the first 12 games of the playoffs i don't no. think so i think that we're, no. we're gonna have that matter. lasting taste in a month right uh having said that also unless he does it on a bigger stage and there is no bigger stage other than the nba finals i think we're going to forget that too like I, I don't think we're going to remember these kind of performances unless he does it against higher level competition where you actually get something from it having said that like the numbers are there like he is etched in the history books for the heat franchise and he deserves that placement there because he has been that good because he has done something no other heat player has done which is to score three 40 plus point games in the nba playoffs like that's that's something and you think about the kind of quality levels of players that have been in a heat uniform throughout the years whether it's Tim Hardaway or Alonzo Mourning or hell even Glenn Rice going back further than that Shaquille O'Neal Dwayne Wade like when people talk about individual performances, Dwayne Wade's against the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals is like the tops as far as the greatest individual mm -hmm. impact that we've ever seen. And somehow Jimmy is eclipsing that just because of the, the depth and breadth of what he's been mm -hmm. able to do over these last 12 games. This is historical performance that we have not seen from a Heat player ever. Well, the, the closest comp, right, is 2006 Dwayne Wade just single-handedly uh, getting to the foul line and beating the Dallas Mavericks in 2006. Right. And then the only other thing that I would have here is LeBron James, 2012 conference yep. finals against Boston Celtics. The look, the just the low post, every, the just constant 
uh, completely locked in in the zone. That LeBron James uh, and and this Jimmy Butler, all of that kind of feels the same, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, just this, just it's not done with threes. It isn't being done with any sort of finesse. It is literally <laughs> just, I am tougher mentally and physically than you are. I don't care who the opponent is. I don't care if I'm the underdog. I don't care about your reputation or your resume. I am physically and mentally tougher than you. And I'm going to show you that right now, despite what anybody else thinks. And that is, that's where Jimmy is at right now. You're absolutely right. The only way that any of this matters is if he caps it off with probably a championship. If, if, I shouldn't say if the only way the only way the answer to this question is Jimmy Butler, the question being is this the greatest postseason run in Heat history? He needs to have a ring. That's the only way he caps it off. Otherwise, Dwayne Wade's 2006 run is better. LeBron's 2012 run is better. Uh, LeBron's 2013 run is better. Right? He was awesome in that in those playoffs as well. Uh, but the fact that he is in this conversation, and because the playoffs are not over making it a competition for the greatest heat run in, in, in franchise history against the all-time heat player, Dwayne Wade, and maybe the best player ever, not maybe, the best player ever to put a heat jersey on, LeBron James. The fact that he is in that conversation right now after one game of the Eastern Conference Finals is wild. It is absolutely wild, um, and it, it has the heat in a really good spot. Yeah, uh, I like this statistic also put out there. I'm trying to find it real quickly here. But uh, number one amongst all players in the NBA playoffs in points scored in the second half. Uh, in the last 25 years, the only player to average more points than Jimmy in the second half of game, 17 points per game. KD, Kevin Durant in 2021 last year, when we all remember how he had to carry a Nets team without James Harden, without Kyrie Irving, or both of them hobbled to some degree, and his performance was just... This was the version of KD that, you know, we've been expecting for a long time. The one that we've seen in spades here and there in yeah. Golden, Golden State and things of that sort. It was, the ver it, was, it was the performance that finally made everybody kind of sit back and be like, you know what, no, you're, all, you're, you're finally you the, best the best player, player. in the NBA. Yep. Right. Uh, and Kobe Bryant in 2001, 2003, wow. and 2008. So three times did Kobe do it. Uh, and during two of those years, 2001, 2003, well, the result was an NBA championship. Yeah. So I, I think that's pretty damn good company. Would you say and, 2001, 2003, and 2008? Yes. Yeah. So finals runs and, and two, two championships. Yes. All finals. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, and what we're seeing from that, if you can extrapolate anything from that, is that Jimmy is closing the door. We've talked about Jimmy as the ultimate closer, and there have been stats that kind of show, well, his closing statistics haven't been great in the last few minutes of game. His shooting hasn't been uh, even at the level he was before he joined the Miami Heat. But this postseason shows that he's still dominating late in games. He's saying, mm -hmm. you know what? I'll carry you. I'll carry you to the finish line. And, and the, the fact that he's been able to do so so steadily, like against good competition, and I know people will dismiss what they were able to do against Atlanta and Philadelphia. That doesn't matter. He did it yesterday against the Boston Celtics, and all the talk about their historically great defense and everything else like that. Well, guess what? Jimmy still got 41 points on him. And I, I think, you know, I know they were missing Marcus Smart. He would have been a factor. Al Horford, similarly, would have been a factor. And yet, I don't know that there's much they could have done to limit what his impact was. Just his ability to get to the line. And, I, and, and you know what? The fact that players aren't criticizing that he got to the line as many times as he did, that only fans are kind of using it 
players would be happy to go in post game and say he was getting a lot of calls. His way was getting a really friendly whistle. None of that. David, I mean, even like national, like Celtics people, like even like I was listening to like Bill Simmons and Rosillo this morning, and they were even like, yeah, I had no problem with any of those calls. You that's know? unbelievable. And, unbelievable. Right? And that's, I know there's going to be a segment of any fan base that's like the officiators, the official screwed us, sure. but like whatever, that's always going to happen. Yeah. Like, he Tony Brothers earned, killed us, yeah. Right, no, he earned all of those foul line uh, trips. And uh, like I said, there is a just, a, a, there's a physicality, there's a willingness to his game that uh, like you can only compare to 2006 Dwayne Wade, parade to the foul line, and, and just stealing that series from the Dallas Mavericks. And 2012, the look LeBron James. It's the only thing that I can think of in Heat history that it's comparable to. I, I know I mentioned it in yesterday's recap, but I love the word that Bam used to describe his own teammate, relentless. Like for his teammate to go, this Jimmy, this version of Jimmy, just won't, he will not stop. He'll keep going. He'll find and do whatever it takes to win. And it's such a far cry from where he was last year, coming off the worst playoff performance in his career, and again, the comparison to Brent Forbes yeah. and everything else like that, overlooking the fact that he had just carried the team eight months before that in the NBA Finals in the Orlando bubble, uh, and you know this is this is why he was impacted. And yes, stupidly locked in, Bucks fans using that as a rallying cry and everything else like that. This is very different. This is this is the version of Jimmy that we're more accustomed to, even better than what we expected. But uh, there's one quote that got lost in our, and we didn't talk about it in our recap, but it is so special that we just, I got to shout it out before we go to break right, let's here. Hear it. Let's hear it. Jimmy Butler saying after the game, I want to run into people and see who <laughs> falls down first, who is going to quit first. I think that's the style of basketball I like to play. I mean, that is a kind of quote that if the Heat pull this thing off, it goes like you paint that in Championship Alley. Like that gets its own oh, little. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, four by foot, yeah. four foot by four foot square For somewhere sure. in that hallway because uh, that that's one of those quotes that you're just like, yeah, I'm going to run through a wall for this guy. I mean, and and he ran through the, the Boston Celtics wall uh, and we'll see how they respond. Right. We'll see how they respond to that. Uh, they they got out physical in game one against Milwaukee and they bounced yeah. back and won that series. Um, but this is a different this is a different kind of physicality. I love the way that Jared Weiss put it for the athletic in his in his recap. Giannis is like a comet hurtling towards Earth, right? And all you could do is hope to just shield it off. But, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but then he likened Jimmy Butler's game to more like SEAL Team 6, where he's just going to sneak in, he's going to find a crease, and then he's going to blow you yeah. up. And then that's it. And, and I think it was, a, that was, a really, it was a good comparison. Yeah, not quite the, the same nuclear level uh, of impact of, uh, of, of, a, uh, yeah. of a Giannis, but still precise and deadly. And that's what you right. kind of associate with Jimmy Butler, relentless. Uh, well said. Uh, well, we'll wrap up this segment, then we'll talk a little bit, little bit about Gabe Vincent because his impact is not getting nearly the kind of publicity he does. And I think there's a bigger question about whether or not he can continue to fill in for Kyle Lowry. Mm. But before we do that, I think you've got a word from our sponsors to tell all of our listeners. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. 
Truebill has over 2 million users and helped save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B., who says, In a matter of seconds, I saved 660 bucks for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 a year on my Sirius XM bill, saved 840 bucks a year on car insurance. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar, specifically Built Bar Birthday Cake Puffs. Imagine dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. And I just received my birthday cake puffs, and I've never had anything like this before. They're available right now, and we can't promise that they're going to be there tomorrow. So get them today at Built.com. And if you haven't tried the puffs, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar is a must-have. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate and packed with protein. Make every day your birthday with Built's birthday cake puffs. Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake and robed it in 100% white chocolate and added sprinkles just you know, for a cherry on top. With 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only 9 grams of sugar, this is a limited-time flavor, and it's an amazing option if you're looking for a healthy way to get flavor in a variety in your day. Built Bars are great for the middle of the day if you are maybe on your way to a basketball game to cover a basketball game until 2.30 in the morning, perhaps, and you just need a little healthy snack and you don't want to be grabbing for cookies or pretzels and all that garbage that they have in the media room, if that's your <clears throat> world, Built Bars are a great option. They're great in the middle of your work day. They're great for after a workout. Uh, they are a must-have. Buy a box, put them in your bag, bring them with you wherever you go. Go to Built.com to get the birthday cake puffs or your favorite flavors right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off on your next order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Everybody loves those. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. We want to talk a little bit about what we learned from Game 1 and how it changes our perspective on the series, perhaps. But before I do that, that ad read you did, I had a quick question. What's the best snack that you ever had while you were on the road traveling with the Warriors? Oh, um, at an arena? Yes, obviously. That's what we're talking oh. about. You're, you're talking okay. about the pretzels and junk and everything else like that. What, was, what did you ever enjoy? Like, I know well, the, I, the oatmeal cookies, right? Is that what you like? The, the oatmeal cookies in Sacramento are legendary. The oatmeal raisin cookies. Uh, and I'm not even an oatmeal raisin cookie guy, but those oatmeal raisin cookies at uh, Golden One Arena are, or Golden One Center are awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, uh, Smoothie King. This is a good one. The Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. They have Smoothie. a Smoothie King stand. Um, in the, in the arena and, and I'm a sucker for smoothie King shout out to UCF right outside the student union, like three times a week, I was getting a smoothie from there, uh, while I was going to school there. But, um, yeah, so I was very excited that the Pelicans offered those, um, that was, those were probably the tops, the oatmeal raisin cookie in Sacramento and then those smoothies in new Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Orlando. I wish I had built bars back then. Yeah. I haven't covered nearly as many arenas as you have. Uh, Orlando had an ice cream machine that sometimes worked. Uh, 
best snack I ever got actually was post game after a long game and, and, and doing a, a, a recap of the game from the Amway Center and they brought yeah. out like a tub of like cold beer and just gave it out to media members and yeah, so I had, I had uh, couple, the, I had the Warriors used to do the same thing. So the Magic used to give media members beer after the game. The Warriors used to give media members. We actually, in the media room in uh, the new Warriors uh, Chase Center, uh, had a free, uh, refrigerator just 24-7 that had uh, Modelo because Modelo was their sponsor. And oh. um, and so the, there was a lock on it, which was kind of funny. Yeah, I can see like why. They, like they thought that we would go in there in like the middle of the game. I don't know. But uh, after the game, a PR guy would come in unlock the lock and then we'll open it up and then of course like all the media like you were just grabbing everybody just grabbed like two beers and then brought them to where they were sitting cracked them open and then just kept doing their work uh would love to see the miami heat do that yes Step for up those game, miami <laughs> there are people in the heat organization that listen to this show i'm just saying if you have any power if you have any say just throwing it out there i'm just throwing it out there you don't have to let all the media members know not the one like the but the ones who are here all season long just let them yeah. know just give them a beer I, I miss I, you know you weren't here for this one because this was over last week. Actually, it was pre-pandemic. They used to have a little bar down by the media workroom where they would have somebody uh, make cafecito. And you could oh yeah, like, they still have the the, the structure, yeah. but there's nobody yeah, there. Yeah, it's there gathering cobwebs, and it's like a stab <laughs> in my heart every time I walk there. I say, oh, and then I remember nobody's actually working. It hasn't worked in two plus years, so it's uh, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, in any case, what is great, however is Miami's performance in game one. And you asked a, an interesting question uh, about what we saw in game one and whether or not it changes your perspective on the series. Was there something in particular that you saw that kind of impacts how you perceive the series moving forward? It does. I picked the Heat to win this series in seven, right? We both picked the Heat to win the series. You picked them in six, I think? I said, I said seven, but I kind of was leaning more towards five. That's what I really okay. thought. I, I, I am slightly more confident in the Heat's chances now. I picked them in seven. It does not mean I didn't think that they were going to win the series. I am just slightly more confident in that choice, having watched game one. Like, a lot of people are expecting the return of Horford and Smart. I think Smart, from what we're seeing, and it's been reported by some Boston folks, that it seems likely that he'll try to make his way to game two. So we're going to see the impact of Marcus Smart hobbled to some degree yeah uh you know he, he apparently couldn't even stand he didn't even go through walk through uh on tuesday before game one and which is why he was listed as out uh as far as horford is concerned there's some questions about his vaccination status he is he isn't we're not quite sure there's also some questions about why he's being tested when players aren't going through the same levels of mandatory testing that they were a couple of years ago because if they're vaxxed then they don't need yeah. to go through that same kind of rigorous testing they once did so I'm not sure exactly what's going with Horford. I'd say Al Horford, Horford doubtful for game two. Yeah. This is literally just happening. And uh, Marcus Smart, probable. Yep. So well, we'll see We'll see how it changes things. And, and I think a big part of that is, you know, something we were talking about before we started recording, which is the way that Miami executed their pick and roll, uh, particularly as they were attacking Peyton mm -hmm. Pritchard late in games and things of that sort. And that's not something that we're going to see in game two because if smart's available and again if he's even close to 85 percent or something along those lines he's going to be effective in blowing those up he's going to navigate his way through screens he's going to draw a flop or two and those come in key moments of games where all of a sudden the momentum shifts like imagine if during that third quarter run 
all of a sudden flop falls to the floor in a way that Derek White does not. And he draws a charge, and it goes against Jimmy, slows that momentum down, and then Boston goes and scores a three on the other end. Like That's that's a five-point swing in the middle yeah. of a crucial 22-2 run that gave Miami the kind of cushion they needed where they could continue to build off that. Yeah. That's the kind of impact that's Marcus Smart, Smart is going to make a big difference, especially if you're playing Neesmith, because Neesmith just could not be on the floor last night. Like That was obvious. He's not ready for this series. Um, and if you can kind of what Pritchard played almost 30 minutes in that game, like you don't yep. want you want him to sort of be a spark plug out the bench. You don't want him playing 30 minutes in a playoff game if you're the Celtics. So uh, Marcus Smart is going to be a really big addition to the series. He's going to change, like you said, he's going to change. He's going to change the way the series looks and feels. Um, I know we're going to get into this more in the next segment. There are things that Miami can do uh, to to you know be accountable for him. But um, like I said, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll talk about. Gabe Vincent and his impact in the next segment because we think it's uh, a, well, it was a pivotal one, a pivotal performance from him in game one. And we're wondering whether or not it changes the outcome when it comes to the return of Kyle Lowry. But before we do that, just wanted to tell you about a new sponsor of the show called Sakara. Feeling your best starts with what you eat. We talk to you about a lot of different nutritional items, built bars, uh, AG1, et cetera, et cetera. But Saqqara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Saqqara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine. You are what you eat. It keeps you healthy. It keeps you going, feeling strong, keep, makes you feel better about yourself. It's a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants as a vegetarian, a long-time vegetarian. I know how hard it is for some people to find the right food options. Well, none of that's a problem because Sakara gives you the tools you need to transform your life with the organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. They're nutritionally designed. Chefs crafted breakfast, lunch, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings. So many people want to cut sugar out of their diets and get your skin glowing. You feel better about yourself. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door ready to eat. Who doesn't like that? Sakara's functional, plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. From their best-selling metabolism superpower powder, excuse me, to the foundation, their daily supplement packs, Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash LOCKEDON20. And if you enter the code LOCKEDON20 at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first order. But that's only if you go to Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash LOCKEDON20. Just a reminder, you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. I say this all the time, and I say it 100% from my heart. Thanks to all of you who write in, send in comments, questions, suggestions, whether you reach out to us via Twitter or via email or, or even in the comments in YouTube, we love to hear from all of you. Positive, negative, whatever, as long as it's good feedback, we appreciate all that. And make sure to subscribe to the show. We want to reach our goal with the heat in the Eastern Conference Finals of getting 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're very close, just a, a couple hundred away. If you can, make sure to hit that subscribe button and follow our show as we continue Miami's run through the NBA playoffs. But before we move on to the next round of the NBA playoffs, of course, or the, even the next game, I wanted to look back on game one and what Gabe Vincent was able to accomplish because I think a lot of people are kind of overlooking it. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have 
a huge night by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a solid 17-point production for him, 5 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 7 from three-point range, 4 of 4 from the line, which is something he doesn't usually do. He doesn't usually get to the line as well as he does. And on a night when you're missing a Hall of Famer in Kyle Lowry, for all the talk about Marcus Smart and Al Horford and their potential impact, you're missing Kyle Lowry. And while Lowry is older, and I totally accede that, the reality is he's still an impact player. I remember in our preview with John Corrales, we talked about winning on the margin. That's something that you kept bringing up, how important it was to have a player of Lowry's impact. And I remember saying, well, I'm not sure that you necessarily need Lowry right away. And we saw that in game one, where Gabe Vincent could step up and do exactly what he did. And when one of the things I wanted to look at is, again, uh, Vincent's impact in three different areas of the game, as a playmaker, as a scorer, and as a defender, and whether or not we can start to answer that question about how soon we need Kyle Lowry to return and whether or not Miami can continue their winning ways with Vincent in the starting lineup. Well, number one, he's in such a tough spot, right? And, you know, to try to replace Kyle Lowry, who this organization brought in specifically for this purpose, to for a playoff run to win a championship. That is why you add a Kyle Lowry. You give him that contract at his age. He was brought in for that reason. Um, Gabe Vincent, Eric Spolstra has talked about this, completely changing his game from a score-first two-guard to more of a, a facilitator, a well-rounded player, a defender, um, and all these things. For him to kind of go through that journey of changing his own game to then having to step in and fill the void left by Kyle Lowry, who's injured right now, yeah. and do it on this stage in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat are undefeated with Gabe Vincent as their starting point guard in these playoffs. Um, just a shout out to Gabe Vincent. Like, let's just start there. It is a tough spot that he was put in, and he is doing an awesome job. Um, he is not trying to do a Kyle Lowry impression. He is playing his game. Um, he is confident in a way. Like, he's he's doing all the facilitating and stuff, but then every once in a while, that, that, that little score first guard in the back of his oh, head yeah. will kind of will roar a little bit. And Absolutely. he'll he'll like just do this like turnaround fade away from the from the foul line. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like let Gabe Vincent just go ahead and do that. He'll he constantly drove, step into threes. He, yeah, he drove at Robert Williams and attacked yeah. him and finished with a nice layup around the basket. I think it was a reverse layup. He had two step back threes in crucial moments late in the second half. Like those were big shots. Uh, and, yeah. and I think he certainly has raised his game. You know what I love is hearing these post game pressers and, and hearing players consistently throughout the playoffs just rave about what Gabe has done. P.J. Tucker has been a huge fan of what Vincent does, but Jimmy Butler, everybody shattered him up to disagree. First of all, everybody seems to love Gabe. Like, you can't... You cannot he is the most liked player in that locker room. It's not close. It's, I, it's, if he, you he ask, reaches like, Duncan, Max, yes. Jimmy, all across the board, on all spectrums. You know, it's, locker rooms are an assemblage of different peoples from different backgrounds, and that's just the way it is. You're not going to get There's a half a dozen friends. players in that locker room who would consider Gabe Vincent their best friend in that locker room. <laughs> that's... Impossible. I'm not even, like, I'm not yet, even yeah. kidding. I know. Mathematically impossible and yet factually accurate at the same time. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, Gabe's one of my best friends on the team. It's like, how? He's Duncan's best friend. You can't have both. That's not how it works. Bam has called uh, him his best friend. It's it's crazy how yeah. well like, I don't know that I've ever seen it. Like it, it's it's Jamal Crawford level. The how 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 well liked he is in that locker room. Good comp. Yeah, everybody loves Jamal. Yeah. Everybody um, loved Jamal Crawford. Having said that, like also the fact that and PJ is again a big fan of saying this, that Gabe has changed his role, whether it's starting, coming off the bench, yeah. not being in the rotation at different points through the lineup. Like a player 
you know, you talk about building a rhythm and things of that sort. Hell, this team has just defied all the logic behind that. That's something that we've seen for decades where you have to kind of come in, you can work yourself into the rotation. This is like you have no idea what's going to happen on a night-to-night basis. You could be starting one night, playing 35 minutes, and then you don't see the action in the next two games. We saw that from Victor Oladipo. We've seen that from Max Struess at different locations. We're seeing it now from Duncan Robinson. Who knows how that plays out throughout the next couple of games. But as far as Gabe Vincent's concerned, just stepping up. And to that big overall question about whether or not he can continue filling in for Kyle Lowry. As a playmaker... He, I would rate him on a scale of 1 to 10. I would rate him a 7. Not quite a 9-10 at Lowry's level. He does mm-hmm. a lot of good things in the pick-and-roll action. He's starting to recognize that. He ran that very, very well with Jimmy Butler, and I know that you want to talk about that to a greater degree. But just his ability to make those sharp passes, not at that same level. Better than what there it was. was. A- I don't think he's yeah. ever been tasked with being that kind of playmaker point guard, and yet he's been able to achieve that over the last season, and we're seeing that kind of growth. But I, I'd still... He's not at Lowry-esque levels yet. It, he, he's not going to be until he's also Probably 35 not. years old. You know, <laughs> that, that's, that, I mean, that's the just savvy. Kyle, that's, the savvy, that's Kyle the Lowry, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but, uh, you know, there was a couple of passes uh, in game one where he kind of gets caught over dribbling under the basket, yep. um, you know, delivers, you know, the, a bounce pass when maybe it should be a lob. Like, there's, there's just a couple instances here and there, but I'm with you overall doing a really, really good job um, just not screwing up, which, you know, we, we talk a lot about the passes that players make, but we don't really talk about the passes that players don't make, the mistakes that players don't make because they didn't make them, so they're not, you don't see them happening. Um, and Gabe Vincent plays a relatively clean game. Not to say that he doesn't make a, a, a screw up here and there like he did in game one, but they don't, they don't ever, like, cost the team like dramatically and he's not making them in like huge spots right because he's yeah. so willing to just be like all right let me spot up in the corner it's you know the last two minutes of a game and let jimmy just take care of it let bam take care of it let tyler take care of it uh, and he, he is just he knows who he is uh he's very comfortable in his own skin he knows exactly what role he's playing credit to him credit the coaching staff for all that but um yeah he's not doing anything that's dramatically hurting the team which this guy was in like uh almost out of the league two years ago like he should be hurting the team yeah. all the time right now, and he's not. He should be you know, in this role. Another one of Miami's undrafted players. I remember when the first practice he was brought in, and everybody's like, "Oh, do you want to talk to Gabe?" And it was just like me, and nobody else really wanted to. I think Ira <laughs> Winderman, and we were just like the only two players, well, reporters, excuse me, who wanted to talk to Gabe because it's again, it's like, is he a two-way guy? What, what does he right. play? Like you've got you've got Dion Waiters on his team, or you've got Jay Crowder eventually, and you know you got bigger names, Andre Iguodala, et cetera. Who really wants to talk to Gabe Vincent? He's going to spend most of his time in Sioux Falls. Well, he wound up sticking around through the pandemic, of course. Wound up playing with the Heat during the Orlando bubble. And here he is two years later, starting in the Eastern Conference Finals against, yeah. again, the highly vaunted Boston Celtics defense. And not just starting, but thriving. Uh, that that kind of evolution is incredible for a player to achieve that over the course of their career. And, and, I, and I know we've made the comp before. A lot of people have. And maybe it's just because he's learning under the tutelage of Kyle Lowry. But to be like, you know, like Fred Van Vliet, to be able to step in and play your game while at the same time learning, you know, from Kyle Lowry as a mentor. And, and Gabe has spoken very highly and very frankly about everything that he's been able to learn from Lowry. And I think we're starting to see that growth, that evolution, that steadiness, that ability to just say, you know what, put me in whatever role. I'm going to find a way to, to your point, not cost you. Yeah. Game. 
Um, As we're talking about this, uh, Lowry officially ruled out for game two. Not a surprise. It's what we expected. Just yep. throwing it out there. Yep. Yeah. No, good. I'm glad you brought it that up because now we're going to count on him. We're going to see whether or not Gabe can step up versus Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart likely to start. I think that's the case. Uh, Derek White, a very, very good defender, perhaps mm-hmm. not as stout a defender as uh, a Smart. Um, smart, much more willing to flop to oversell contact, which is something that Miami kind of prides themselves in as far as being physical. We just brought up that point about mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, et cetera. So you wonder, you know, if Gabe Vincent does one of those drives to the rim, whether or not Marcus Smart goes flying across the baseline or something to like that. You know, again, a pivotal game-changing moment. And we can complain about the foul and the flop all we want to. The reality is refs are going to call it one way or the other. We cannot change that. That's just – they're in the moment – we see these things play out. We they don't have the benefit of replay from their sofa to see you know smart leaning into the fall before the contact is even made. So we'll see how it plays out because again, smart is a very good defender. He's not the defensive player of the year, but he's a fine point guard <laughs> defender and he can do a lot of things, including flop around a lot. But as a scorer, I do want to bring up what Gabe can do and whether or not he can continue filling in for Kyle Lowry because that five of ten performance in game one was phenomenal. A lot of that, two big three pointers down the stretch. Uh, attacking the basket, again, attacking Time Lord, uh, doing what he had to do to be able to work it. He had a mid-range shot as well, like just very effective. And he doesn't need to do anything more than that. As long as he's able to content, you know, draw contact, I think uh, he can continue to be at least Lowry us. Like what we saw from Lowry the last time he played and what we've seen from him at different occasions throughout the season, this was as good a performance as we could possibly expect from the point guard position of the Miami Heat right now. Like they, The point guard position isn't tasked with doing much because you've got Jimmy Butler, because you've got Tyler Hero, because you have to some degree Bam Adebayo, who doesn't necessarily need to score a lot either. But for Gabe Vincent to hold down the position, to be able to put up 17 points in game one, I think that speaks volumes. I think we'll see probably less production from him because the smart factor is going to be there. At the same time, as long as he can continue to hit his shots and not be shy, and I think that's something that we, we have to see is, is continue to be aggressive and say, you know what, I'm feeling comfortable. I'll take that step back three if you give me room. Not just shoot mm-hmm. it over Peyton Pritchard, but to shoot over Marcus Smart as well. Yeah. Uh, well, as as- I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say that Gabe Vincent has been more impactful as a scorer than Kyle Lowry. Yeah. You know, I, I, think, I think that's absolutely. a really it's this season. I, I don't think that Ooh. that's a stretch at all. You know, Ooh. and the season over the breadth of the season. I don't know about that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you know, lately, I'll say. But, That's right. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry obviously was hobbled with the hamstring the one game that he played in that Philly series and was not what we expected him to be. But I actually prefer Gabe the score over Lowry the score right now. Um and unless Kyle Lowry is anything close to 100%, it's that's probably going to be the way that it is. I think Lowry from a facilitating standpoint could be much better than Gabe Vincent, even not at 100%, right? Just because of the, the basketball IQ and the experience and all that kind of stuff. Um, defensively, he needs to probably be close to 100% to hold his own. Gabe Vincent has been really good on that end, too, and I know you're going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, but what Gabe Vincent is bringing from a scorer's perspective is so needed right now against the Celtics defense. So, um, you know, I, I see no reason to try to rush Lowry back. I mean, you, you won game one. That now and now you have the lead in the series, right? We'll see what happens in game two. You know, if the, if you lose that game, you might have to rethink things if you're Miami. But right now, you have to be feeling pretty good about what you have in Gabe Vincent as your starting point guard. Absolutely, uh, and and you brought up the defense, and I think that's really where he's making his mark. Like Lowry, 
an incredible defender, but at his age right now, not nearly as mobile as he once was. I don't know that he was ever particularly – he was quick more than anything else, but he wasn't always mm-hmm. as mobile uh, just because of his configuration, just the way, the way his body is made. He's just, he was never that type of player. Smart, very, very smart, very high Q, very, very un- under aware of where to position his body and everything else, especially because – just like we were talking about smart, perhaps Lowry is an even more effective version of understanding where to draw charges. Lowry is so good at that. And and that's this is the biggest question mark as well. Like you talk about what Lowry, I mean, what Vincent can do as a scorer and a playmaker, probably better scorer than Lowry at this point right now. Uh, better, not not a better uh, you know playmaker than Lowry. So it's kind of balancing out. Defensively, they're different. And I think Lowry is still a, a, a slightly better defender just because of that awareness of how to position himself. But I still liked very, very much what I saw from Gabe in game one. He made adjustments later on. He was on Jason Tatum a whole hell of a lot. I did not expect him to be picking up that matchup. I know a lot of it was because of Miami switching and things of that sort, but he was on Tatum a lot. And he learned throughout the course of the game. He made those adjustments. Again, a high IQ player himself. He learned how to adjust was able to play off of Tatum to some degree. They got the help. They brought the help from either P.J. Tucker or somebody else to challenge Tatum. And then if Tatum would dump the ball off because he created contact off of Gabe Vincent or something like that, then Gabe would realize mm-hmm. as Tatum was dumping the ball into like Robert Williams. Gabe's understanding that help defense was so spectacular. Like to see him swat the ball out of Williams' hands, not once, not twice, but three times. And, and, and you know, it didn't seem like consecutive plays, but throughout that big stretch run in the third quarter, like that kind of understanding of that what play he made on Derek White, where he just chased him down, was yes. unbelievable. That was that was like uh, in the NFL, you hear them talk about like you know yeah. a fumble recovery, and then your wide receiver just chases the guy you know seventy yards to to catch him <laughs> before he reaches the end zone. Like that was what Gabe Vincent did. That those are the plays that stand out to this coaching staff, and uh, I thought that was a really huge play, honestly. Yeah. You know, you save a basket, but. You also just let it be known, like, we're not giving you anything easy in this game. And and I think the Celtics kind of learned that in game yeah. one. So I think, again, Lowry overall, a different, better defender at this point right now than Gabe. But Gabe still making an incredible impact defensively. And so to answer the overall question, again, the one we yeah. asked before the series even started, I think he can continue to win without Kyle Lowry. Like, you want him out there because he provides that leadership and you're going to need that at some point, And I hate to say yes. it. At some point, Miami is going to lose at home. And when you're going to be down at some point, you're going to need that kind of proven veteran who says, you know what, I've been here. I know what it takes to go to that next level. And that's what Lowry provides in a way that Gabe Vincent right now can't do. He just right. he does not have that experience. Lowry, they're going to need Lowry to, to win the finals. Um, but what Gabe Vincent right now is giving you is enough time to let Kyle Lowry get to 100%. Kyle Lowry at 100% is better than Gabe Vincent. That's... Yeah what it should be also uh, that's not that's not like I don't even know how we debate this that's not like an argument to have <laughs> so um but Gabe Vincent is a really really good backup point guard who's doing a phenomenal job as a starter right now and buying Lowry time and ultimately of all the things that we're talking about Gabe Vincent that might be the best service he does to this heat team this season is yeah. buying Kyle Lowry time to get to 100 percent because once you have that Kyle Lowry this Heat team looks so much different and is so much better with that level of Kyle Lowry. And Absolutely. had they not had Gabe Vincent, they might have to trot Kyle Lowry out there on a bum hamstring. Like, you look at what Phoenix did, having to play Chris Paul so many minutes, even though he was clearly banged up, and we still don't know Campaign, the full story not- of what was happening there. Campaign is not Gabe Vincent, right? Campaign was great last season, not good this season. I don't know what happened to Campaign, 
but they, he was unplayable. Like they put Landry Shaman in, in for him in game seven, Phoenix did. And so uh, what Gabe Vincent is doing right now, buying Kyle Lowry time, is a huge service to this Heat team right now. Absolutely. Well said. And of course, we'll be here for game two as well to bring you the coverage that you want and deserve as we continue to cover the Miami Heat run through the Eastern Conference Finals and potentially beyond. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NBA. From the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals, Lockdown experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B. Let's go Cats.